Hey, I know Marshall welcomed you a moment ago, but if you're a guest, thank you for giving us just a few moments of your time. And you're probably wondering, what is this place? It's a place where we love to have fun and we love to talk about life-changing things, one of which you are doing this week at Pink Elementary. I know you applauded a moment ago, but there's a reason I'm holding the stocking. So many of you took stockings and you filled this up. You can fill it up for a little boy or a little girl. And uh, you did that. You have knocked it out of the park. Well, we figured out that there are some additional children at Pink Elementary who we want to make sure they get one. So out on the table when you leave, we have more stockings for you. And here's what we need you to do, though. I know it might be kind of crazy, but hopefully you make time for this. If you can grab a stocking or two or three on your way out and go fill those up and have them back at the Sugarland campus before 3 p.m. today, we will make sure that every single boy and girl gets a stocking filled with goodies. There's instructions, everything you need to know on how to fill this up, on who to fill it up for. But if you could do that, that would be amazing. So you really are changing people's lives and they'll be no different on Thursday. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. I'm gonna put that right there. So today we actually continue our series on stuck and being stuck. If you weren't here last Sunday, let me kind of bring you up to speed. We talked about what do you do when you're stuck and God is being silent. It's like you're stuck in the silence. It's not that you're not praying about things. It's that you pray all the time, but you're not hearing anything. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, if God is silent, he must actually be absent. And that was the bottom line last week. Don't mistake God's silence for his absence because he's always present. It might just be that he's doing things behind the scene that you don't know and that you can't see immediately. So when you feel a silence and you can't see what he's doing, just trust in his presence that he's actually, actually promised he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. So trust what he is doing behind the scenes. Now, today I want to talk about a different kind of stuck, because if you're not stuck in the silence, you may be stuck in the confusion. Like something may be happening in your life and you're like, God, I am so confused. I thought all of this was going to work out this way and this was the plan and this was the direction, but it's like everything has shifted and now the plan seems to be going this way, but this makes no sense to me whatsoever. So is this really you? How could it be you? So if you're stuck in the confusion, then I think a lot of people actually at Christmas times can get stuck in the confusion because we run at such a frantic pace of life uh, day in and day out that we just kind of sit back sometimes, look at our life. Look at what's happening around us, and we can be confused. Uh, one, one practical thing that happened in my house, and this is what happens when you have teenagers, uh, my mother-in-law each year has built for us a nativity scene, and the pieces are beautiful. This is just a really close-up kind of of the nativity scene, and uh, it's actually bigger than that. So over the years, she's given us a, a different piece, which is so awesome, and they're actually kind of funny. I, I love the wise men right here. It's like he's holding his nose because the sheep you know, let out one. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me right here how it's set up every year but when you have teenage boys every now and then you walk by it and you go this is so confusing this is not the nativity scene and this was a picture that I took of what my I won't mention his name but my youngest son Zach um, when I looked in it was like where's baby Jesus yeah he's he's over here taking a bath with a mule staring in his face it's like, that's not supposed to be that way. And so each time we walk by, it's like, okay, where's six ounce baby Jesus? He's got to be around here somewhere, right? It just changes and it just shifts. And sometimes it's just so confusing, but it's so fun, right? To watch the journey of, all right, where are they going to put baby Jesus next in the whole nativity scene? 
Well, today I'm going to tell you about a story, uh, and we're going to learn a lesson from not one young girl, but from two young girls. Uh, you're like, there's two young girls in the Christmas story? No, but just hang with me and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the first young girl, this was actually her story. When you're talking about confusing, when you're talking about baffling, this was the Christmas story for her. Now, you know her name is Mary. She's a prime player in the Christmas story. She's not the player. She's not the star of the show, but she has a major role to play. And what's so fascinating is I love how the story of Christmas, the story of the birth of Jesus starts. And I highlighted a few words that I thought were pretty important. And I'll tell you why. And you go, that's pretty obvious. It is obvious. But I think somebody in the room might actually need to hear it. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which is a relative of Mary's, I'll tell you about her in a little bit, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town, where was that? In Galilee. Uh, to who? To a virgin. What was she doing? She was pledged to be married. To who? To a man named Joseph. Who's Joseph? Oh, he's a descendant of David. What was the virgin's name? The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now you go, why would you highlight all those words? Do you see the detail in that? And here's why that's important. Can you imagine being the angel? You got an assignment. And you go to the wrong city at the wrong time. You show up in the wrong house late at night and you go, greetings, Mary. And you hear from the darkness, <clears throat> my name's Larry, not Mary. You know, Mary and her family, they moved about three blocks down about a year and a half ago. You know, I mean, that's like a different story. You go, why would you say that? Here's why I would say that. Here's how I wrote it down. God knows where you live. He knows where you live. Like, see, when we hit confusing times and then the story isn't in all the right places where we think our choice should be, and it's like things are getting shuffled around. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not how I had the plan going down for my life. Things start moving around. It's just a good reminder that the Christmas story starts by letting you know God knows where you live. He sees you. He knows your name. He knows who you're married to. He knows who you want to be married to. He knows everything about you and he never gets it wrong. With Mary, you would actually think this is great news. It is great news. And here's what you're going to see. You're going to see Mary make a shift in her thinking. Because here's why. When my belief changes, my feelings change. Can we say this phrase together? Because this is the bottom line for today. When my belief changes, my feelings change. All of your feelings come from a belief. You go, I need to think about that. You do need to think about that. Because all of your feelings are actually coming from a belief that you have, a belief about anything that you can have. Now, with Mary, you would think that at this announcement, Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby. That this will be great news. That is not the belief. That is not the feelings that Mary had. Mary was confused and fearful. This is how the Christmas story starts for her. So if you're in a situation in life where you're confused and there's a lot of fear that keeps you up at night, this is a great day for you if you're feeling stuck in those emotions. 
And what you're going to see, Mary, she's going to make a shift. You got to think about this. Angel shows up. Mary, the highly favored one, you have been blessed by God. Awesome. Am I going to get a new chariot? New sandals. I wanted the Nike ones. Can I get a new Birkenstocks? I mean, how Crocs would be totally fine. Can I rock those? No, 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 Mary. You're going to be pregnant out of wedlock. Congratulations. What's behind door number two? Like, surely there's another option on the table. Because this is a game changer in every possible way for me. Think about being married. You would not have been excited if you were married. Most scholars think she was between 12 and 14 years old. So for all the middle school girls in the room, imagine you getting pregnant out of wedlock and you go tell people God did it. Imagine. So no wonder in starting of Mary's response, verse 29, here's what it says about how Mary took that news. Confused and deeply disturbed. You ever been there? Have you ever been stuck in those emotions? It's not emotions that you have like for a few minutes. Those aren't emotions you have for a day. The day turns into a week. The week turns into a month. The month turns into a year and you find yourself stuck, so confused and deeply disturbed. And here's what it says. Of course, this makes so much sense. Mary tried to think of what the angel's words might possibly mean. She's thinking, you did not just tell me that. The word confused, this is the only time in the New Testament that word is used. It's the only time. It means anxious, it means completely disturbed. It means shaken to the core. I mean, it's the only time the word you, every emotion and feeling this young middle school girl felt, fear would set in. What kind of fear? The same kind of fear you experience in life. Let me tell you what Mary was afraid of in this moment. Shaken to the core with anxiety. If that's never brought you to your knees, you really are blessed. This happened to me before. And you are clawing the carpet going, what is going on in my world? I've been there. This is exactly where Mary was. What did she fear? She feared criticism, just like you fear criticism, right? You worry about what other people are going to think. Changes start happening. You start getting fearful about that. Again, I mean, think about this. So Mary, what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit came on me and God made me pregnant. Uh-huh. You know, that, yeah, that happened to Jim's girlfriend last month happens all the time. Can you imagine Facebook? Can you imagine people Snapchat? I'm so sure. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine people talking about her? She is about to be ridiculed in her community over and over and over and over. You heard about Mary, right? We need to pray for Mary and Joseph. Why are they going through hard times? Mm-hmm. And now they're covering it up, saying God was involved. Get in her sandals for just a moment. Her life, in her mind, in her mind, completely ruined. Her plans, gone. She was uh, uh, confused. She was scared about criticism. She was scared about the supernatural. Has the supernatural ever scared you? <laughs> God steps in and wants you to do something, and you're like, uh, can we take a rain check on that? 
Can you explain that a little bit more? The supernatural is a very scary thing. And in her community, by the way, the religious posse of the day, this would have never worked in their mind, ever. This doesn't play out this way. We need a committee meeting on this is what we need. We're all the elders. Let's bring them all together. And God at the beginning is showing, I don't work the way you work. Mary, this is going to be different. Change is about to happen. Anybody in the room like a whole lot of change at one time? Only ones who do are babies with dirty diapers. That's the only ones who like change. And the parents of the baby. I bet that's a different story. She feared criticism. She feared the supernatural. She feared uncertainty. Think about the questions that got stuck in her mind and in her emotions. How, how, how am I supposed to tell my parents? How am I supposed to sit them down and go, I got to tell you something about me. This is what it means for our family. How is she going to sit down with Joseph and tell him? How is she going to provide? She's, she's 14 years old. She has no job. How's all this going to work out? The fear of the how of the uncertainty, fearful. And then there's one that we don't have to worry about. She was feared and scared of death. You see, because there was a law that said, if you got pregnant out of wedlock, you were stoned on the spot. So now not only is she scared of this going public just from a just from what people are going to say criticizing her and her family name. And now if the right people find out, she's dead. So the, the, the fear of this moment for her, we cannot underestimate. Her being stuck emotionally in this perplexing situation is like, what do I do with my life? Have you ever felt that way when you feel like plans are changing and shifting? This is Mary. And God, again, God is showing up on the scene going, I just want you to know, I just want you to know, if you sign the dotted line to be my follower, things aren't going to go the way you always plan for them to go. Welcome to the club of following me. I shift, I change, I don't think like you think. I think bigger than you think. My plans are not gonna be your plans. You're gonna think you have me figured out and I'm just gonna shift and move and you're gonna figure out that you don't have me figured out and this is how God is starting it off. Which can I say, no one would have brought your son, who's the son of God, into the world through a 14-year-old girl. Nobody in this room would have chose to do that. And God said, but that's what I'm gonna do because I don't work the way you work. I don't work the way you work. And if you want your feelings to change about what's happening, you've got to change what you're believing. You've got to change your focus. In Luke chapter 1, verse 34, here's what it says. Mary asked the angel, but how can I, how can I, how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. She's like, you know, God, the way this works... <laughs> Just in case you haven't been to the class, I have. You know, they just taught it last, last year in seventh grade. I was there. How? 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 And can I just say this? This is exactly the same question we ask. But how can I fix my marriage? But how can I get my kids to go in the right direction? But how can I change my addictions? How can I fix our circumstances, change our finances, get another job, fill in the blank? Isn't this the fear that drives us? Uncertainty, 
of the future. So we go into how can I? What can I do to change everything? I love the angel's answers. What can I do? I love Luke chapter 1, verse 37. The angel told Mary, nothing. <laughs> I want you to turn to your neighbor. Everybody get a partner? Everybody get a partner? Everybody get a partner? Got a partner? This is partner day, friend day. I want you to look at them and just tell them these words. You can't do jack squat. Just tell them. <laughs> Some of you said it with an edge. I, um, okay, so yeah, you can't do jack squat. Angel, nothing. You can't do anything, Mary. You can't do anything. I love what he adds to it, though. He goes, the angel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Mary, on your own, you can't do anything. With God, all things are possible. Now, here's what the angel is doing. The angel is trying to get her focused not on her circumstance, but it's trying to get her focused on the God of her circumstance. He's trying to get her, Mary, 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 Mary. Listen, I know it's crazy. I know you're scared. I know you're confused. I know you're perplexed. I know there is anxiety running through your veins right now. Listen to me. Just listen to me. I know him. I'm around him. And I'm just telling you, and I was sent to tell you, absolutely nothing is impossible with God. Mary, if you want to fix your feelings, change your belief. You got to shift it. You got to shift to where it's not about your feelings, Mary, that, you're, that your feelings are telling you this is what's true. This is what's true. You have to know what's true and let your feelings come from that belief. Mary, you've got to shift this thing. You got to change it. You got to change it. And so what you start seeing is this. Mary started to believe God's word. She started choosing to believe God's word. Okay, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. Now, I know that some of us in the room would say this. I'm telling you right now, an angel showed up and talked to me. That's a different story. You know what the word angel means? The word angel means messenger. That's what it means. Just a messenger. Watch. The power wasn't in the angel. The power was in the word of God the angel was bringing. That's the power. And here's what I would love to encourage you with as I make all kind of mic noises. Here's what I encourage you with. <laughs> you put the JT mic on. See how you do. I, here's what I encourage you with. God is speaking to you all the time through a friend, messenger, through a song, messengers, through a message, messengers. And not every preacher is an angel. Some. No, I'm just playing. I mean, <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> that was so bad, God. I'm so sorry. But the power is not in the angel. The power is in the one who gave the angel the message. And that's what the angel is saying. Mary, 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 listen, listen. Mary, this is going to change your plans. This is going to rock your world. People are going to talk. People are not going to understand. Even after our conversation, Mary, you're going to have nights to where you're going, is this for real? Like, do I drop out of school? Do I have, I mean, how, how? And you're going to have so many questions. Mary, listen, let your belief that nothing is impossible with God. I, I, I spoke yesterday at a funeral. Good friends of mine. 
And uh, it was just one of those times where it's like, man, I'm looking and man, there, there are tears in the room. It was a great funeral though. It was such a great funeral. You go, funerals can be great? Oh yeah. I've done ones where they're not. Nobody knows where the person is. As a matter of fact, most of the family knows where they're not. Those are no fun. This one was awesome. Sad? Absolutely. Broken hearts? You bet. And I knew because I talked with the family that there were people in the room asking God the question, why? Why? Why her? Why now? Why at Christmas? And you know what I love about that? That is a very human question to ask. If you've never asked that question, I would have to question you going, wow, are you really feeling the weight of a moment when tragedy strikes? Because it's just normal. You know what I'm saying? It's normal to ask why. Why is this happening to us? Why is this happening now? It's a very normal thing. And I knew people in the room were asking that. And here's what I said. In case you're stuck in the why, which can be confusing, you're stuck in the why, which can be very fearful about the future for whatever reason. Here's what I said that I learned through my dad's death when I was 21. The why question can get so big, and in doing so, God gets so small. And you start filling in the blanks of not just why about the, this is so important, not just why about the circumstance when your why question gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, you start asking why to God. God, why did you if you love me? God, why did you if you're all powerful? Why did you and you say that you're never gonna leave us? Why did you change our plans on Christmas? And we'll never have a Christmas table the same again with our family. Why? You see what happens when the why question gets so big? God just gets really small. And here's what I told them. This is what I would encourage you with. It's not that you just throw your why question away. I don't think that's normal and I don't think it's healthy. I think you take your why question and you shrink it down and you put it in your pocket and you focus on God going, God, I want to know you in this. I want you to speak to me in this. I want to believe who you are in this. And if you ever want to answer my why question along this life's journey, I would love your answer. But if not, I'm going to make you really big. You know, in scripture, Mary has a song. If you grew up in church, maybe you heard about it. it it's Mary's song. After these moments, her beliefs started changing. She started to believe God, right? So her feelings started changing. And the scripture says that she started to glorify God. Mary's Magnificent or Mary's Magnificent, wherever you're from. And it's this song. And that word means magnify. That's what it means. You know what she did? She started to believe God's word. Why questions get really, really small. How's this going to work out? Getting really, really small. She lets God get really, really big. She starts magnifying. That's where we get it. Mary's magnificent. Magnifying God, making him really, really big. That she turned her focus from her situation to God, and she started believing. You know, you're right. You're God. Nothing is impossible with you. I can't do anything. You can do anything you want to do. Why? You're God. So if you are stuck in confusion, if you're stuck in perplexing situation, if you're stuck with anxiety, change your focus from your circumstance to your God 
and learn from this teenage girl whose life and plans were completely wrecked, but she started worshiping the God of those plans going, you're God, and I'm gonna magnify you and not my problem that I'm in, and I'm gonna trust you with it. This is what Mary did. So what happened? Watch her feelings change. Now her feelings are changing when she did, does this. Because in verse 38, here's what it says. And Mary said, yes, I see it. See the magnification? Yes, I see it all now. So let it be with me, just as you say. I am the Lord's servant, ready to serve. Listen, when we started this campus, there were two things that I said over and over to all of those who were, who, were, who were helping us get this thing going. And we still say them to this day. We were saying one of them this morning because of some crazy stuff happening. Number one, stay flexible. This is going to be crazy. We don't know what God's going to do. Just stay flexible. Let's just follow him. Just stay flexible. The second thing I said over and over was this. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about you. None of this is about you. Your life, not about you. This is what Mary has determined. You know what? My plans for what I'm wanting, not about me. I'm your servant. What do you want me to do? My life, not about me. My journey, not about me. My dreams, not about me. My plans, not about me. I see it now. I see it. You're God. Nothing is impossible. I'm going to believe your word that you can do that. And I'm your servant. Mary also changed in this moment. You start seeing this take place where Mary believed God's plan. Not only did Mary believe God's word, now she's believing God's plan. Not her plan. Her plan is gone. God's plan. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 48. God took one look at me. Look at her feelings change now. Her feelings are moving from anxiety and confusion. Now she's focusing on God. God took one look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on the earth. Now that's a big change. From being filled with anxiety on the floor, only word that's used in the New Testament, to now, look, look, he loves me. I'm the most fortunate woman on the earth. What God has done, what's the next word? For me. Remember what I said two weeks ago? Not what God did to me. What God did for me, not to me. He didn't do this to me. What God did for me will never be forgotten. And that's true because we're talking about her today. Why are we talking about her? She chose to believe God's word, and she chose to believe God's plan. Now, there's another character that we're not talking about that we could talk about, Joseph. Imagine being Joseph. She hits you up. Hey, we need to go to Starbucks. You sit down at Starbucks, and she goes, I'm pregnant by God. Any man in here going to say, Praise God. Let's pray over Starbucks. Any dude in here going to do that? Every dude in here. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you read your Bible. Every dude in here is going to go, what's his name? The Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> what's his name? I want, what's his number? I want him right now. Think about Joseph. Your engagement plans, gone. Throw the invitations away. Tell the cake lady you don't need it anymore. Your plan, now you're attached to a woman, teenager, who is now pregnant, and she's telling people God did it. What are you going to do? You know what the Bible says that he wanted to do? He wanted to walk away. The Bible says he actually made plans. He made his own plan to divorce her quietly. 
And that day when you were engaged, it was considered that you're actually married. It's a pre-marriage. It's kind of different what we talk about today. It's an engagement of what we say today, that you're pledged to one another. You liked it, so you put a ring on it. So it's kind of the same thing, but it's to a higher degree. And so you could, even if you were engaged, get a certificate of divorce that you were able to go, I'm not with her. The Bible says he made in his heart plans to secretly divorce her. Why? He loved her. He didn't want to embarrass her. He knew that she could get stoned, and he could as well if they didn't believe her story. So secretly, he wanted to do that. And God shows up to him and says, Joseph, I know this this was not your plan. It wasn't your plan, but it's God's plan. And you get a choice. You want to go with your plan or you want to go with God's plan? Can I just throw out this to all of us? This is the choice we all get. You want to go with God's plan or you want to go with your plan? And you see, that's easy to say when you're not in a situation like that, right? Oh, I'm going to go with God's plan. I'm going to go with God's plan. Let a diagnosis come your way. You're going to let go and let God, or are you going to start questioning God? Let the marriage start experiencing some trouble, and all of your friends are going, pull the ejection sheet, dude. Get out. Just get out. Just get out. We're all out. Look how happy we are. I mean, I mean, how amazing. Let's get out of our marriages. This is incredible. Just get out. You going to go with your plan, or are you going to go with God's plan going, you made a vow. I'm asking you to stay when everything and everyone is saying leave. Hey, Christmas is coming up and you got those family members, the crazy Eddies, you know who they are. And everything in you is going, no, you ain't coming over. Keep your ho-ho attitude over there in Louisiana. You ain't coming to our house. And God's going, I want you to love them. Who else is going to love them? You going to go with your plan? Or are you going to go with God's plan? You're thinking, you're getting personal now. <laughs> this was Joseph. This was the plan. In Luke chapter 1, verse 58, it just kind of turns everything right here. That's so cool. Her neighbors, talking about Mary's, neighbor, Mary's neighbors and her relatives, seeing that God had overwhelmed her with mercy. Her feelings now that she has shifted from God's word And God's plan, that's what she's buying into. I'm believing you to do the impossible. It changed how she felt. Now her feelings are impacting her family members. They celebrated with her. Now, she actually went to a relative by the name of Elizabeth. Remember, I read her story a little bit a a moment ago. A little bit a moment ago. That's what we do in Alabama. Don't laugh. (laughs) She went and found Elizabeth, which is brilliant for anyone in the room going through a disturbing, confusing, or anxious time right now and you feel stuck. Find somebody older. Find somebody wiser. Find somebody. Elizabeth was going through the exact same thing at this moment, by the way. It's kind of crazy. And Mary goes to her, a relative who's older and wiser, and hooks up with her. You know what that means? When you're going through something in your life, you cannot go through it alone. You can't. You want to know why? Because when you're alone, the enemy will whisper in your ear, He doesn't even know where you live. He doesn't even know your name. 
And if he does, he really doesn't even care about you. Because if he did, here comes a wise. He would do something about your situation. If he did, if he really did love you, he would change your situation. Maybe what we learn from Mary and Joseph today is that maybe the situation we're trying to get out of is exactly the plan God has for us. If we didn't cause it, if it's not because of our sin, if it's not because of something we've done and the repercussions thereof, and it just happens to hit us, which life does, which God knows how to bring our way for his purpose and his plan, maybe that's what happens. And this is why Psalm 138 verse 8 says this, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. It does not say the Lord will work out my plans for my life. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. And there are times in my life when my plans and his plans collide. And in that moment, will I say yes and will I say I do to your plan and not my plan? Peace comes from laying down your plan and believing God's word and believing God's plan, even when you don't understand it. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting down with a friend at lunch. We were talking about exactly what we're talking about now. When God doesn't make sense, especially when the circumstances of life are telling you, you know, God's asleep right now and he's not watching right now. And he, just out of the blue, the guy said, well, you know, Amy, Amy Carmichael's story, right? And I went, why does that sound familiar? He goes, oh, you know this story. So he told me this story. And I went home and found a trusted source, Google. And then I was like, I do remember reading about her in seminary. She was a missionary in India for 55 years. She actually grew up in Ireland, though. As a little girl, she wanted blue eyes because her sister had blue eyes, and all the other little girls had blue eyes. And so she would beg God, God, please give me blue eyes. Please give me blue eyes. I don't want brown eyes. I want blue eyes. And she remembers, she says, I remember telling my mom, I'm asking God to change my eyes. And mom, here's what she says. You told me I could ask God for anything and he would do it. Don't you love when kids put it back on you? And her mom looked at her and here's what her mom said. God has answered you, but his answer is no. And you may never know why. She says, I remember my mom saying that. So I grow up and she says, I still though, I would beg God for, for blue eyes. I'd get up in the morning and her mom says she can remember Amy weeping in the bathroom, looking in the mirror. Going, God, I don't want brown eyes. Amy says it got so bad that she started to believe that God was not good. He wasn't good. He wasn't good. Later on in life, Amy started feeling a call into the mission field. So she wanted to go to China. She met before the mission board and said, I want to go to China. Doors started closing left and right of her going not only to China, but to other countries. And the mission board said, we really need you to go to India. She's like, I don't want to go to India. I don't want to go to India at all. Because she also had a physical condition that she was born with. I don't know the medical term, but essentially it's just a nervous disease that she would have and it put her in the bed for, for months sometimes. She didn't want to be that far. I mean, I want to go to India. I'd much rather go to this country where I can get help with that. And doors close, close, close. She ends up going, okay, I'll go to India. She goes to India. 
at the time that she went, families wanted little boys because little boys could work for the family and make money for the family. Not every family, but many, many, many families. Many families in India, if they had a little girl, they would sell the little girl to the priest at the Hindu temple so that they could take that little girl and they would raise that little girl in prostitution at the temple. And that's what would give the money for the priest. It was basically sex trafficking in the 1800s in India. She learned what was happening. So she would get up and take coffee grains and she would rub coffee grains on her skin to make her skin darker. She would put on, put on the garb where she could go and at least see the girls. And then she would get to where she could talk with the girls. And then she started saving her money to buy a little girl's freedom. She would save her money. She'd buy a girl's freedom and bring the little girl home with her. When she would come back to the States, she would tell, you wouldn't believe what's happening. I need help. I need money. And people would start funding rescuing of little girls. So much so that the Queen of England started donating for her to rescue little girls. In her 55 years, she rescued over a thousand little girls, led them all to Jesus, and built an orphanage in India. Over the years, there was one day she says she remembers taking coffee grains and rubbing it on her face and rubbing it under her eyes and she just felt God speak to her in that moment going, this is why I never gave you blue eyes. You'd never get in. She went, your plan, God, is always better than my plan. I don't know what you're going through, but here's what I can tell you from the story of Mary and Joseph. Whatever you're feeling, Mary and Joseph would get on stage and go, just believe him. Just really believe his word. Believe his plan is better than your plan. And say, I do. And you will to whatever he's asking you to do. And trust him. Because his plan is better than your plan. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know what you're going through. And maybe there is anxiety. Maybe there's confusion, bewilderment. And, bewilderment, and maybe you're just asking God, where are you? God knows where you live. He knows the details of how to get to your house. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. And his plan is a good plan because he's a good God and he really does love you. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you can't see it and maybe you won't see it. But maybe one day, you'll see that his plan was actually the best plan on the table. So my encouragement to you, my encouragement to me, as I speak to myself today, say I do to him. Say you will to him, follow him. God, thank you for speaking to us today from a teenage girl whose plans were wrecked, but who discovered the best plan. And in believing you, her feelings followed she discovered not only the best plan, she discovered a God who really does love her and who changed the world through her. In your name I pray.